Folks, this episode is our second dual guest show, but the first of its kind. Today's guests are the co-founders of 3Speak, Dan Hensley and Matt Starkey. Dan is also an ex-pro poker player, a crypto investor, and content creator. Matt worked internationally in multi-billion dollar construction projects and later moved into crypto after he saw problems with the fiat money system. Present day, he builds Web3 blockchain tools with a focus on freedom. Gentlemen, I am beyond excited for this episode. Welcome to the show. Happy to be here. Yeah, thanks for having us, man. So usually a podcast in general, and more specifically on the Crypto News podcast, involves the host asking the guests some questions, trying to get as much value as possible out of the guest as our guests have a very unique and informative and expertise to them. And we want our listeners to get absolute every little bit out of that. This episode is going to be a little different than usual as our guests were involved in one of the biggest crypto wars ever, like legit a war. If you ever heard of the Steam and or Steemit X Justin Sun, that is the guy from Tron, Crypto War, and wanted to know what really went down, this episode is for you, as Matt and Dan were literally on the forefront of this war and were spearheading the troops and actually made shit happen. I can't wait to hear the actual story, what happened from the inside. So instead of asking questions, I'm going to give you fellas the floor and I will intervene when I believe it's appropriate just to sort of maybe give a bit of details here or there. But with that being said, before we get into the actual nitty gritty and the full story, would one of you please step up to the plate and just give us a quick little TLDR, the spark notes of what happened with this Steam X Justin Sun shit show? Yeah. And so basically you can think of a centralized entity, a company, an entity with a lot of money tried to come in and buy a community. And, you know, one of the of the late John McAfee, he said, you know, you can't buy a community. So when the when he came in, he bought a pre-mine, which is basically a centralized lot of tokens. And on a stake-based system, you vote using tokens. So he was able to, with the help of exchanges, use the tokens against the community. And then an all-out war started between him and the community. Um, you know, funds were actually stolen. Lots of things happen, and we ended up forking as a community the open source software. The price rose higher than Steam's, and then we saw that you know the real values with the community, not in how much money you have, not in centralized entities trying to control Web3. So that's the TLDR. Love that. Now let's get into the actual nitty gritty. Let's talk about what really happened. We should obviously bring it back to the home, to where to where it all started, and. I could be wrong, but that was in the basement of one of the founders' homes in a basement in Virginia. I'll let you guys kick it off from there. Yeah, so you're talking about when Dan Nostrans, he's uh, known as Block Trades, and then you have Dan Larimer, so there's a few Dans involved. They actually invented the tech about five years ago in a basement, and that was known as Steam. And... Dan Nostrans, no, I just call him Block Trades. He was hired as a contractor to build basically the the backend infrastructure, and then Dan Larimer was writing the code and all of that. And what happened was there was sort of a sneaky launch where they were able to mine a bunch of tokens before anyone else knew how. And you know we call that a ninja mine, or you know better known as a pre mine. 
So they had about 80% of the supply before others could fairly mine. And the community didn't like that. It was always a, a stick in the mud. But, you know, they were sort of benevolent in a way. They weren't really attacking. And then it was sort of an elephant in the room. Then the distribution started to get bigger and bigger. And the community never really came together to do the fork. So it was always contentious, that, that pre-mine. And as time's going on, you know, where the technology's being built out, the community's getting bigger and bigger. And, you know, the, the founder, Ned Scott at the time, Dan Narmer, had left the project really for that pre-mine reason. He was, he, he was totally against it and the way it was being used. Ned Scott was the founder. He promised to put it into a DAO, which is basically a decentralized autonomous organization. It's controlled by code, no one else. The reason he didn't at first was because the code wasn't available yet. The technology wasn't available. So it was sort of a promise to the community and we were going to hold them to it. And as we started to get closer to the agreement and hashing it out, he's, he really went quiet. He didn't go to what we call Steam Fest, which is an annual event. He didn't go to that one. He went to all the others. And people noticed, you know, what's going on? Then we started hearing rumors. And then literally overnight, we hear that the, that, that pre-mine and the Steam and Inc. company, which is a site, a front end built on top of the Steam blockchain, was then sold to Tron, Justin Sun. Didn't tell even the witnesses, didn't tell any of the employees. It was a complete ghost move. No one knew it but Ned and him. So that, you know, it was the market couldn't react. No one could really do anything. And then immediately you see the notion of, oh, you know, there's going to be a Steam migration to Tron. All the Steam apps are going to be moving to Tron. And of course, we were a Steam app at the time as three speak. And we're like, well, that's kind of funny. You're just telling us what we're going to do. We, you know, we, you haven't talked to any of us and you're saying that. All these plans are going to happen. And that's when really the negotiations, you know, really starting to, to talk to Justin's son. And I'll let Matt jump in here because he was a really big part of um, the, the back and forth, the politics before, you know, the hard work actually happened. Yeah, yo, um, I just want to caveat this for saying for your listeners, this is an incredibly important um episode in the history of blockchain it's it's the first real blockchain war that happened between two chains where one chain tried to take over another chain uh, and i believe that this is going to be uh potentially taught in universities in the future certainly in, universities are interested in listening to this type of stuff because the techniques that were used in this blockchain war are going to be used in the future to wage wars between communities almost for sure i'm, I'm like almost sure about it that you know Hopefully, we, as we move into the future and we go away from hot wars, um, you're going to have these immutable um, blockchain communities that are backed by their own sustainable economies that are going to go off head to head to each other against each other and they're going to try and take over each other. And this really is a perfect example of that happening and being defended against and then being the offense making their move and the defense making their moves. And it was just, it, it was an insane time. It was an insane experience. Um, and we all learned a lot from it. Uh, I think there's a lot from it for everyone else to be learned from it. This whole thing's open source. It's happened out in the open. Everything, all the history is there on the blockchain. So people can go see and check what what Dan and I talk about in the, in this call. Um, and it's just it's super super interesting for for me. And I'm I'm really happy to be able to give my take on, on what happened. Um, from where Dan just just left it off. I mean, yeah, basically Justin Sun took took a load of the tokens on this dodgy deal that Dan just described. Uh, then used his power to, along with some of the exchanges, 
the, the rumor is that they didn't know that they were being used um, because, of course, some of the tokens on the chain are stored on the exchanges. So they use their power uh, with their, their custodial um, accounts. Combined with Justin Sons, it was enough to take over the chain and install his own um, witnesses. Um, so Justin Sun had enough witnesses of his own running. We believe they're all running on one computer, which is incredibly unstable for a blockchain. Um, and he, he basically voted himself in to, to control the majority on the chain, the, the majority consensus on the chain. Uh, you know, to kind of cut a long story short, we as three speak, Dan and I and a few of the guys that work on our team, we're trying to build um, immutable video content so people can't, at least it's very, very difficult to be censored with video content now. It's distributed, stored in a distributed way. And of course, with Justin Sun censoring people um, using his uh, using his dominatory stake that he held along with the exchanges on Steam, there's no way that Dan and I could, could tenably run a free speech system while he was censoring every every post that people were posting about to communicate with each other on how to defend Steam against his takeover. And this is actually critical. It's one of the critical points. These chains, when they get attacked and taken over, you have to have a communication method that is not censored. Um, because um, we, you know, we did a lot of communication through Discord, a lot of communication through um, uh, Slack. But if you're in a situation where those two entities are working against you as well, which luckily we weren't in, you, you're screwed, right? Because you can't communicate on chain, you can't communicate on, you can't trust the entities that, that you're communicating on outside the chain. And so this is one of the abuses of Hive that it has this communication system. Matt, just jumping in, yeah, here, yeah. sorry to jump in, just very curious, are there any platforms out there right now? Because if you had asked me, I would have said, we'll find a moderator on either Slack or Telegram or Discord, but then again, that would be centralized and not decentralized. Are there any decentralized communication platforms right now that would suffice and that would have maybe saved the day when when you guys were going through this war? I mean, look, luckily, we we that wasn't something that held us back. Luckily, we had we had enough of the control and power on the chain, and we had enough of the you know Discord and, and Slack that we were using weren't against us. So. We didn't have that issue, but it is a key a key learning point from this that your your systems need to be up and online. And if if the the methods that you're using to communicate are against you as well, which in our case luckily they weren't, then you're gonna you're gonna struggle to communicate. So you actually absolutely have to have these distributed communication systems, which is one of the things that Hive now is. It's very difficult to censor people on Hive now, uh, unless there let is. Let me a- let me let me jump in. Um, so what happened was we had sort of, so he had the exchanges and all of this power, but the community rose up and we caused a stalemate. So he couldn't fork out and censor anybody then. We held it up long enough. If you think of like Hogar from Game of Thrones, we held it up long enough and then we forked into Hive and then we collapsed, right? Because we all started to power down. And that's when he had complete tyranny over the chain. But we allowed as many people to get off and power down as possible. And then Hive was born and then the, the community. So if we didn't have Hive and we would have collapsed at first, it would have been, in my opinion, we would have been scattered because you're talking people worldwide from all over the globe that right. don't have Discord, don't have Telegram. They just, you know, because Hive is accessible on open source apps from your from your phone. Anyone can get on. It's their own bank account. 
So it was vital to have that life. And, and the, the reason that that worked is because when the community fought to hive, I mean, Dan and I were trying to say, we were trying to do everything we could to keep the Steam brand intact, yeah? But this guy was obviously destroying it. And there's a certain point when he started censoring people on Steam who were talking about Steam negatively because of this attack that he, once he started censoring, Dan and I were also like, right, it's time to leave. And we moved to the fork. And um, the fork had already been worked on incredibly fast by the, by the guys behind the team that built the fork. Um, and what happened is, is the reason the fork stayed stable is because they took everyone's balances on Hive and whoever wasn't supporting Justin Sun and Justin Sun himself, they, they maintained their balances on Hive that they had on Steam. And everyone that was supporting Justin Sun, they zeroed their balances and they moved Justin Sun's balance to this DAO, this decentralized Hive fund that then can be accessed by the community and distributed based on proposals. So as a result, we basically took away all of Justin Sun's power on the Hive fork so that we then had a stable guaranteed method of communication and we could continue our blockchain and our community. And the whole community, practically, I'd say about 95% of the community at least, moved across to, to, to Hive from Steam because 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 not, no one wanted the tyranny, you know? Everyone wanted to back. That's, back that's crazy. Yeah, it, it, it was could you guys just very quickly, for our guests who are unaware, can you explain what a fork is and maybe the difference between a hard fork and a soft fork? Yeah, no. So a, a soft fork means you don't need you don't need um, everyone to upgrade, right? You like you wouldn't need the exchanges to upgrade to a new chain. A hard fork is a new chain. A soft fork is remaining on the same chain. That's the easiest way to put it. And the, the new chain would basically be. Um, you, you've got the history of the current chain and you, you basically take that history, you copy it across to the new chain and the current chain goes on its on its own way and the new chain goes on its own way and they become two separate um, forks of the same previous road, let's say. And of course, with, with, with delegated proof of stake chains, if the whole community moves across to the other chain, to the new the new fork, it basically makes the old fork dead in the water. So you can have some old oligarchy running it, um, but if the community is not there, it's 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 basically a dead chain, which is what Steam has become. I and mean, there's still a few people trying to run and make money on there, and Justin Sun's trying to do what he can to keep it afloat. But it's really the great thing now is a year on, Hive has developed so many cool, interesting open source things that it's 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 almost like night and day compared to Steam now. It's a different chain. There's no way that Steam can come back very quickly and adapt a lot of the things that Hive's done. And it's just gen, you know, it's just genuine community. The community is the layer zero, right? You've got the layer one, which is the, the blockchain technology and the distributed system. Uh, but below that, people people forget you have to have these insane, crazy communities that are going to work for six weeks straight, never sleep. You know, push, push, push until we get the fork, and then everyone's going to move across. And it, you know, that's where the power of these chains are. That's how you win. Very interesting. Just a little context I want to give. Justin Sun is heck. What's his net worth? A couple billion dollars, I'd say at least. So when Dan and Matt and the rest of the crew were in this war, they weren't just going up against some Joe Schmo who had a couple mil and could maybe move the needle a little bit. This guy not only had billions of dollars, but he also had connections to the most powerful blockchain slash crypto operators in China and all the exchanges as well. So it was going up against an absolute behemoth. Um, I, I I would say that's an appropriate way to put it. Yeah, it was very vicious 
because so we're going up against um, Justin's son, and he has basically all these endless resources. It seems, and of course, at first it, it was like, okay, I'm welcoming up anybody. I always have a term like, if we live in the jungle, that means you have to be friends with tigers. You have to be able to live by them. I can't be oh, Justin John's, Justin's son's joining. He bought the pre mine in a shady way. That was a big red flag. But even at the end of the day, we tried to salvage it. We had you know private call face to face with Justin and. You know, just basically would say one thing while doing another. It was the art of war in every single way. And he played it um, pretty well to his extent. But at the end of the day, it was a battle he couldn't win because he's trying to capture what is in essence air. It's open source software run voluntarily by a community. That community just been through a very long three-year bear market. The price was really low. You know, people weren't really there for the money. They were there because it was an interesting, novel technology, and they wanted to toy around with it with their own apps, with their own little hobby projects. So it was just a community of hobbyists. But what happens is he came and he just, in the way he came about it, tried to force, it just sort of pissed everyone off. And I was alluding to earlier, we never really had the, um, com- the, reason as a community to fork. It was like, yeah, the threat is there, but it's sort of just idle and it's not, you know, it's like if the fire is not on your ass, then you're not running sort of thing. And it was this alien takeover like event where it was like everyone came together because in this community, there's a lot of people who don't like each other. Um, you know, but when this came, it's like, well, you're attacking our place. So we combined together and that was what gave everyone motivation to fork out that pre-mine, which was the thorn in the side of everything. But of course, when we were playing Holgar, we were keeping that wall up and we were doing everything we could. Once we started to power down because we didn't want to support that chain, we wanted to sell and you know buy more hives, support the hive ecosystem. Once he got a dominant grip over it, that's when the things started to get really crazy. That's when he started to freeze. At first, it started with the whale freeze account. He just the reason for it is they they didn't really have good coders. So if they could have stole the money right then, they, I believe they would have. But they were just like, okay, let's just freeze them from from selling Steam. Basically, the, all the whale accounts will stop them. People who haven't interacted with the chain in like three years. So it had nothing to do with like politics. It was just a a pure money grab because they could. And then once they figured out how to steal the money, that's when it got crazy. They locked a whole other, they did a secret hard fork, didn't show the code. It was closed, um, ran that. And then I, it was sort of like a heart racing moment. Cause you know, it's like a million dollars worth of crypto. It's a lot of money. I bought this, you know, I spent millions of dollars on my stake. So either way, it was a lot of money to me. And, um, you know, seeing that list and I was on the list, I was like, holy shit, they're going to hard fork my balance out in like two days. And there's really nothing I can do about it, right? Because we we powered down enough to where he had dominant control. I thought the last line of defense with the exchanges surely wouldn't accept this. Surely they'll just say, no, you can F off. Either you don't, you do a different code or we're not going to accept this fork. And, you know, when Binance was the first to accept it, that was the big blow. That was when I was like, all right, it's over. Like there's no, you know, Binance does it. That means Wobi's going to do it. And then, yeah, one by one, they all accepted it. And it was just theft. Um, it was about five, it was about six million USD at the time worth from all the other people, including myself. And then um, the craziest thing happened was on the day he did it, he got white hacked by one of the, one of the you know, whatever happened. We, you know, we still to this day, till this day don't know what happened. But what happened was they hard forked all the, that means they changed the code. They took the token balances out of the wallet and put them in a new wallet that they just created. But as soon as it hit that wallet, somebody sent it to 
Bitrix, basically calling them a hacker, Justin's son a hacker, and saying stealing is bad, and to return the funds. And now there's this big legal war going on, which is a first in crypto, where you know the courts are actually, what's going to happen with these funds? Because Bitrix is now an intermediary. They're like, oh, well, we have what's now worth a lot of money, especially since the bull run happened. It started to turn into you know over $10 million, and they're holding it, and they're sort of like, what do we do? So now the courts are getting decided. So... Um, yeah, it's just a very. You, you, you imagine, you imagine Justin waking up that morning where he knew he was going to get his five six million uh, hive just moved into his own account, and then all of a sudden he wakes up and that hive got moved. Sorry, steam, I should say that steam got moved to a neutral exchange that he has no influence over, which is Bitrex. <laughs> it's just like everyone was like, "Holy shit, who the hell did this?" To this day, no one knows who it was, but it was someone on the inside of Justin's team that managed to work out what he was going to do and had the keys to the account. It looks like he, it might even have been, who knows, but it might have been the person that created the account he was planning to send the money to in the first place on his behalf. And they just were like, no, this isn't happening. Sent, sent the steam to, to Bitrex. And um, Bitrex then as a neutral party kind of just were like hands up, didn't want anything to yeah, do with it's it. It's a US exchange, yeah. And um, there, there was the, the, <laughs> the account that it sent it to, the only post it ever made was one of Robin Hood. And um, that's all it did. And um, so it was It was obviously an insider job. Somebody was like, wow, this has gone way too far. Like sort of like that diabolical thing. It started innocent. And then, you know, they're like, wow, we're like hard forking millions of dollars. I don't want to be a part of this. And, um, but yeah, it's crazy. This man or woman, whoever they are, what an absolute legend, a true Robin Hood. They deserve an actual medal of honor. But I want to take a couple steps back here. Without Huobi or Binance, letting Justin get all those coins, you guys very well may have been victorious a long time ago. Yeah. Yeah. It's, why it's, did they why did they let that happen though? Like you guys know why does does he have that much influence with Tron, maybe BitTorrent? Like I I want to know why they let that happen. Especially C Z. He sounds like a, a stand up dude. You're touching on a very interesting area here, and it got deep. It gets deep. And I'm sure Dan will want to interject in this as well. But let, let me just have a have a bite on this. So Initially, his his 30% ninja mind state that he bought from Steamer Inc. in a shady way, as Dan was saying, it, 30% isn't enough to control the chain. Uh, it's close, but it's not enough. And what happened was, like, it's like a hive of bees. This is why the name hive is so interesting. As soon as people realized he was going to start abusing his stake, the whole community, like Dan was saying, the whole community from like three years ago just came in and voted, put all their stake into voting the, the, the old witnesses, right, the original witnesses, to try to keep the original chain in check. Um, and so it was like it was like an immune system, like auto kicking in, and just everyone. And all of a sudden, the vote, the voting power required to control the chain was to vote new witnesses into the chain to con- therefore control the chain. It, it was much higher than it used to be, much much higher. So he's he had to recalculate. He was like, he was clearly like, shit. There isn't. I haven't got enough steam to actually do this. And it was a couple of days they were looking around. I, I think it was in conjunction with the old um, CEO of Steamy Inc. There's no way Justin could have worked all this out for himself um, so quickly. But they must have taken a look at the the custodial stake on Bitrex, Binance, sorry, on Binance and Huobi and a couple of other exchanges. Uh, but by the way, that you talk about 5 7 10% of all the supplies is on these accounts, right? Because so many people are using it for, for exchanging. So what they did is they powered that stuff up, right? Now, whether or not they are responsible for that is, is in question. When you fuck around with Hive, you're fucking around with a, a bunch of like hardcore hackers, right? And I'm not just talking about computer code hackers. I'm just talking about people. The people there in general are like, 
your typical like hacky type, you know, don't fuck with us digitally kind of thing. So we all like, like, again, like a swarm of bees, like came out and like, we were tweeting like crazy, finding out every piece of information that we could. And what happened was there was a certain point where the exchanges powered up, which they should never have done, which is like the, the equivalent of staking. You should never have staked um, uh, custodial funds like they do on EOS. Unfortunately, they have they have that you know the exchanges have got quite an influence there because they've they've locked in their stake and they vote with it, which which on Hive we don't allow. Um, but on Steam, he did this, and and all of a sudden you're like, holy shit! If if these exchanges now vote for his witnesses, his witnesses will get back in again because they'll have the, the backing not only of Justin Sun's 30%, but of the exchanges as well. And that freaking happened. And his, 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 his witness nodes went back in because we basically got rid of them by the whole kind of community, community coming together to vote for them for, for the right witnesses. And then because he got his 30% plus the exchanges. So a couple of days go on and we're trying to, trying to figure out how the hell we can get around this. Can we come to a deal or whatever it's going to be? There's people in the community that don't want to do a deal with him. They're trying to do the fork already. Um, and so, so w- w- one of the guys, I'm not going to name his name. I'm sure you sure we'll find out as, when the, when the movie's made of this, but he, he got talking in, in a quite friendly way to one of the very senior ladies on one of the exchanges. I don't know how he did it, but he managed to get her to talk and I mean, there's recordings of this, you know, <laughs> there's recordings of many things on in this episode. And it, it's very damning to many, many people in the industry, in fact. Um, what did she say? What did she say? Well, basically, our understanding is that, there, that Justin submitted a file and said to them, look, I'm running Steam It Inc. Because normally when you, when you do a hard fork, if you're like the dominant party that controls the chain, you're normally the one that submits the the hard fork code, right, to the exchange. You're, you're normally the one that they liaise with to, to make it happen. On Hive, it's different now because we're very decentralized, but on Steam back in the day when they control 30% of the supply, of course, they're the dominant people. So that so they kind of, kind of dictate what hard forks go through. And um, so th- they submitted this code and, and Justin just said to them, run this, we're, we're going to go through the hard fork, you guys have got to run this code. And because they already know him, my understanding is that they accepted the code. Whether or not they checked it, I don't know. But they ran the code, and what it did is the code automatically powered up, i.e. staked their custodial supplies, which are held on behalf of, of, of Hivians who are, who are holding um, balances on the exchanges, powered that shit up and then automatically voted for Justin Sun's sock puppet witnesses that then took over the chain. And so the plausible deniability by the exchanges is that they didn't know necessarily what this was. Uh, they trusted Justin and and. and Justin gave them some code that automatically made them vote uh, against the best wishes of the people who were holding the steam inside the exchanges. Um, and so as a result, they, they, they got the edge back again and managed to just about take over the, 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 witness, the witness pool and then control the chain. Yeah, what's crazy about that is, so I had about 3 million Hive locked on Binance. So when you stake on Hive, the reason it's different from other deposit systems is it, you have a three-month commitment. So it's very hard for an exchange to lock users' funds to, for three months. That's why it's not attractive to them at all. And the exchanges even said, whoa, what is this? We don't, we didn't know it was going to be three months. The trick was what he, this is the deal. Like, I don't have proof, but this is what I believe from the, the evidence I have. He, the exchanges knew what was up. They were going to hard fork the code and, and implement an instant power down for the exchanges. And the exchanges agreed to it on that premise. 
to just say they blindly accepted code, okay, then you're, you shouldn't be in business regardless. Um, so that's even worse. <laughs> but the, at least that's not illegal, right? So, um, but of course that didn't happen because the resistance happened and all of that. But I had 3 million steam locked on Binance that was then powered up and used against me that I couldn't withdraw. So imagine that I'm using this exchange and they lock my funds. I can't withdraw it for months. And they not only that, they use it to overpower the network, which then results in me getting my funds stolen um, that I bought from Binance. So it's a. Uh, and and we, by the way, we can, we can go into how this this wouldn't happen on Hive. You know, all these things have been fixed on Hive now, so it's it's a much more secure chain. But we can go into that a bit later, maybe. I would I would love to go into that, Dan. On the flip side, I guess the the one positive to take from this is you will probably star in an upcoming film. Okay, that's, at least you know. At least you'll be a movie star soon. So there, there's a there's a little little bit of light at the end of the tunnel. Uh, but candidly, if I lost as much money as you did, I'd be I'd be shitting bricks. This this whole thing, you know, there, there's so many characters in this in this story. It's it's insane. I mean, we were negotiating. Um, we we're really trying to stall and delay and, and and allow time for the fort to get built. But we were certainly uh, given the pretense of, of negotiating with Sun's team. Um, and there were several characters that came in and out of there that were trying to pretend like everything was going to be okay, you know, and we were trying to work out whether or not they were calling our bluff, and, and they, again, also were trying to work out whether we were calling their bluff. We were coming up with several different types of deals for the for the, the, the various parties who had separated now on the chain. You had the kind of 85% of the community went across. They they hated the idea of just having, having control of the chain, and they started working on the fork and were more in support of the hive fork. Then you had some of the some other factions of the community that were pissed off at the original chain and they wanted to negotiate with Justin to get power so that they could have influence over Steam that they didn't have over Steam before Justin came and they weren't going to move to Hive. And then me and Dan were kind of in the middle of that where we were trying to, you know, it's like herding cats, you know, you're trying to, you're trying to find out who on the, who on the, the old community that's now leaving who, which of those people want to try to help to see if we can get rid of Justin on Steam in some way, see if we can push him away, uh, or to see if we can get him to limit his 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 control over the chain? Because of course, having thirty percent of the supply, you're not in a, you're not in a decentralized chain. And then you've got some some, some other uh, pump and dumpers that we're kind of we were negotiating with, and just getting them all together to try to work out how we can come back to some some, some type of normalcy on Steam. Uh, with with everyone, all is you know, it's like a western. It was like a western shoot, a Mexican shootout. You know, it was like everyone was trying, <laughs> kind of looking at each other. No one knew what was going to happen next. Everyone was changing their minds. It was brilliant. Well, at one point, at one point, he tried to sell Steam it and the pre mine to me, and then he asked <laughs> if we could sell it to Block Trades, and then he said if we knew anybody because they just wanted out, and they said they'd sell it at cost. I turned him down because I was like, well, I'm not going to like this is these funds were meant for the community, so I'm not going to buy it, and then have this stigma on my head. So yeah, they were they were really desperate, that's for sure. This this has traditional Wall Street written all over it in my eyes. But Absolutely. speaking of speaking of traditional Wall Streets and them gambling and doing crazy things, maybe we should do something not crazy and check out Coin Poker, the world's premier crypto poker platform. You know I love these guys. They are the revolutionary blockchain technology based platform that was developed by an incredible team. They use USD as stablecoin and as the main in-game currency, CHP as the in-game fuel, that is their very own token CHP, which has done quite well. 
And they also feature instant and secure transactions using USDT, Ethereum, Bitcoin, or CHP tokens. Absolute best part is no KYC. If you're a cypherpunk and want to go under the radar, this is the app for you. Huge promotions as they give away thousands of fiat each week. And the absolute best part is the mobile app. Whenever I'm on the go, I can play a couple hands of Texas Hold'em or bet on sports. It is an absolute treat and highly recommend you checking that out. That is coinpoker.com. Head on over to coinpoker.com and give them a try. Dan and Matt, quick question here just to build off of the coin poker ad read there. I indeed love myself some Texas Hold'em every once in a while. Great at a cottage, great with some friends, great on the app as well. Dan, you are an ex-pro poker player. You'd probably take me for a walk in the park if we ever played together. However, if you could pick any two cards to have in the hole in a game of Texas Hold'em, what would those two be? And Matt, you can answer this as well. Oh, got to go with pocket aces. <laughs> That's my favorite hand. Matt, what about you? Oh, for me, um, it'd be nice to have a couple of couple of million high, a couple of million steam back off Justin Sun. <laughs> but, <laughs> but apart from that, I, I don't know. I, I'm, to be honest with you, I'm, I'm a tra- I'm a day trader, so it's a little bit like poker in some senses. But I don't know much about poker, and I'm not much of a poker player. But I think it's a, it's a great game. I've learned a lot from Dan actually. I've, over time, he's taught me a few little moves and things. So I'll, I'll just copy what he says. <laughs> I love that, Dan. Quick quick poker question for you again. My it depends on the on, depends on the day. I do love a good old king queen suited, but Obviously, Pocket Aces gives you the best odds. Is that the reason why every poker player, and again, we've had Tony G on the pod, famous poker player, I believe top 10 all-time earnings or something of the like, but everyone always says Pocket Aces. Is it because it has the best odds? Maybe people have won the most with it or it's just the sexiest? Like, What's the reasoning behind that? Well, it gives you the best odds pre-flop. You you get an 80% chance to win versus every hand. And um one of the, if I had to choose another hand, it'd be seven five suited, a low suited connector, simply because when they hit, they're sneaky and you can win a lot more. So interesting. Good to know. Okay. Jumping back into the show, I do want to talk about Hive and I do want to talk about three speak, but there are a couple more points I want to touch on regarding the whole war that you guys were a part of. Lessons learned kind of thing. If we were doing the TLDR and we were summing up a university lecture and we had a, lecture hall full of a couple thousand students what would you sort of tell them what what are the biggest lessons of this conundrum of this shit show and how would you go forward about this if you were starting a blockchain what pieces would you put in place to not make this happen again dan can i can i just have a quick bite of this first because i, I want to make a, a general point on this and, and you probably know a few more of the details after that yeah go for it um the, the, the first thing here right is that this is the first time in history where an abusive rich person has been held to account by the community using this technology. And what happens basically is if you are part of the wealthy elite on these chains in this technology and you are perceived and seen to be abusing the community and not following its best interests and behaving like a dictator, the, the chain will be forked to a new chain and the community will zero your balance on the new chain and it will leave the old chain, leaving your old chain dead and desolate, right? So this is a way for the for the poor, for the common people to hold the rich to account to some limited extent. And the, the Hive um, Steam battle is proof that now the, the community now can move where it wants to move and effectively take your balance if you're abusing and distribute it to the community. 
you know of course that's not going to be the norm because the community doesn't want to have that perception right but if it does happen that there's proof that you're a rich person and you're you're not investing in the community you're not investing in the people then you can you know and ultimately you end up abusing the people then, then you can face some serious consequences to that um and and this is this is proof of that you know and that that to me is the over overriding kind of story of this you know that, that that finally we have a technology where the common people can hold the rich to account yeah and just to build off of that you can't buy a community this is all open source technology that means the ip is now more so worthless it's more so the network effect behind it you're going to see more and more proof of stake you'll hear that word that just basically means you use tokens to vote the more tokens you have the more influence you have over a network People like this because it's green, it's faster, and you know it's very versatile. So you're going to see a lot of proof-of-stake networks, delegated proof-of-stake networks, as we evolve into Web3. What's going to happen is you're going to see abusive powers have their stake revoked on the community chain, as you saw with Hive versus Steemit, because this technology is incredibly expensive to build, and that's why you see these big raises, ICOs, and they raise and they keep a lot of the tokens for themselves. But as those, you know, those pre-mines, as you call it, as they become dictators or going against the best wishes of the community, community can say, hey, we have enough resources. We can take this technology, we can fork it, make an identical copy of it, call it something else, move over there, and now we do not have to accept those rules because we will just slash their balances. This is going to become a, a big thing and people can really study what happened between Steam Hive and Tron as a real blueprint of how to hold these large actors to account who try to control these future networks. And a, a, a couple of other things there that, 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 that Hive did to prevent the takeover from someone like Justin Sun in the future. So the weak point was the fact that it had this 30% pre-mine still with a single centralized entity. And you see this all over blockchain. Almost every single token in the top 100 has got a significant portion of its tokens with a centralized entity. And they're all saying, oh, we're going to decentralize. We, we're working towards decentralization. This this is an incredibly weak, vulnerable point, And it's, it's a corrupt attack vector on these chains um, and people just to kind of brush this off like it's nothing however as the chains become successful as become, they become influential and start working against the interests of the system so for example with steam it had a big free speech thing right it was very much anti-censorship and of course countries backing people like justin sun they want censorship so they've got a vested interest in taking that 30 percent pre-mine and preventing people from having their spe free speech on the chain so Hive, having distributed that to the community with a, with a, with a decentralized hard fork proposal system, um, they also, what they did is, if you ever want to do that again, so if you want to buy a lot of Hive and then use it to vote to potentially take over the chain, you have, you have to wait for, I think it's 30 days or a month, right, where you can't use that stake to vote after you've staked it or powered it up. Um, so what it does is as someone, as a community sees a big guy coming in to buy a load of steam uh, or sort of should I say a load of hive and he, you know, the community might well kind of think, well, is this a shady actor? Has he got, is he got, is he benevolent? Has he got bad intentions? It gives, it gives the community time to act before they potentially get taken over. Whereas with steam, as soon as, Justinson had that 30%. It was, there was no time. 
time was done. He started voting, you know. So that that's one of the things that has been changed on Hive to make it much more difficult. And because yeah, the largest distribution on Hive is three percent. You need about roughly forty percent of the supply. So that means somebody would have to go buy thirty percent plus off the market. That'd make everyone on the chain very rich, and we would see their attack coming from a mile away. And we would say, oh well, if you're an attacker, we'll just fork again, and we have all of this money, and we'll ruin your chain. And it's a it's a positive feedback loop for the community. Every time you attack it, it makes it more powerful. Sorry, just jumping in here and playing devil's advocate. Let's say I'm launching a new coin. We'll call it the the Matt Z coin, and it's going to be the best coin in the world. But myself and my founding team. We need some incentives and we want to keep 30% of it. Not keep, but because of all the hard work we're doing, we want to bear those fruits and we want to keep that 30%, which like you guys said, is very common. Let's say you're a part of that founding team. What other value prop could you use to like put in all this blood, sweat and tears and not get equity? You know what I mean? Like it's, I get where you guys are coming from, but as a founder, what would you do to, to, to ensure that you have a lot of light at the end of the tunnel? Yeah, let me, I'll get this. Um, so the first thing is that points out to how incredibly hard it is to actually have decentralized technology. And one caveat is um, if you're doing that, you wouldn't want to do a layer one. You wouldn't want to be the security model. That's perfectly fine for apps built on top of layer ones that are decentralized because now you know people don't have to worry about what I call getting Justin's son. They don't have to worry about their token balance being attacked because let's say it lives on the Ethereum network or it lives on a big network that's really hard to attack. Um, so, if, but if you're a layer one, it's, it, it becomes increasingly difficult because it's a trust game at that point. You would have to say, look at our track record. This is what we're going to do with the funds. And unlike in the Steam days when it first originated, we have technology now that can hold them to account where they can say, hey, we'll lock this in a DAO and then we can have votes if we earn the tokens. And that's sort of the way that you can as a founder. You can say, hey, look, we're not going to take anything. But if you think we deserve it, then you can to give you can you know vote on that. Um, some of those sort of angles, I would say. Yeah, I, I, gotcha. I want to add well to said. this as well. Um, that, I mean, it's it's a tough one because you're right. The, the natural kind of web two centralized way of thinking about things is we should take five percent. We should take ten percent for ourselves because we did all the work, right? Well, there's one example that isn't that for sure, and that's Bitcoin. Bitcoin didn't do that. Yeah. Bitcoin had a fair a fair mining distribution. Yes, Satoshi mined a lot of the tokens, but it was a fair distribution. It was, you know, everyone had a fair chance to mine. Um, the, 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 and this is why Bitcoin's so good, because it is decentralized. This is the very reason why it is decentralized, um, because it, there was a fair opportunity given. So basically what you're doing is you're building open source software, you're giving it away for free, and then what you're doing is you're, you're now going to compete and provide value to that chain. And the more value you provide to that chain, the more money rewards you're going to be able to get uh, on, a, on a level equal playing field to everybody else, even if they didn't build any of the system themselves. That's how you get a decentralized system. That's how you avoid being a security. That's how you um, make sure that you basically can turn around to everyone and say, look, we are decentralized, you know. Um, going on to what Dan said there, I just want to touch on that a little bit because I think it's really important. There's two ways to do this that, I, that I'm aware of. One is you create a separate balance in the in the chain for a fund. Uh, so in the same way that Steam's Ninja Mine was moved across onto Hive and set as a, as a as a proposal system so that the community could get access to those funds based on community voting. It's all again all decentralized, all based on stake. There's no centralized entity behind this. Um, 
So what you can do is then you can say, well, we're the founders. We've got zero tokens because we gave them we gave them away in a distribution, and now there's like a proof of brain distribution where people are based on your stakes, proof of stake, basically based on your stake, you can distribute more stake. Um, so what you say to people is, hey, can you vote for me in the proposal system and actually fund us X amount per year um, in our own in the token that the community's created, you know? And then that, and oftentimes the community, I believe, will say yes, because the community appreciate the work that you've already done for free to get to that point, right? So they get, there's a vest, the community has a vested interest to vote for those proposals to get that money distributed to you. But the whole point is there at that point, it's a distributed decision and it's not a centralized decision. The other thing that you can do is, and this is one of the things we'll, we'll do on 3Speak with our creator tokens, and I don't think hardly anyone's thinking about this, um, we can talk about immutable accounts and accounts being out, owned outside the system so they can't be taken away from content creators anymore. That's already happened on 3Speak and Hive. And what happens is then these accounts, because they're on a distributed layer with no CEO, no, no company behind them, there's a whole distributed layer there of account system, they can then run their own tokens. So now you can have content creators with their own tokens. And the problem is, if you're a content creator and you think, think from this centralized mentality again, oh, I'm going to give myself 5% of, the, of my own tokens. So when I float a million tokens on the market, I'm going to make $5 million, you know, in one night. That sounds very lucrative, very nice, right? But it's going to get you in, in trouble with the SEC. And certainly it, it makes the distribution system more centralized and more vulnerable to attack. So what you do instead is you use a system like Hive, which has been decentralized in an organic way, even after a war has happened on it, right? So there's no central party there anymore. There's no corporation behind it. It's been distributed for five years in a proof of brain, proof of state distribution process. So it's very well distributed. So as a result, you as a content creator can have some criteria within that community and drop your tokens to those those community members that meet a certain criteria. Are they active? You know, have they got a certain balance already? Whatever it is you decide to drop to, but you drop zero to yourself as a as a content creator, right? So there's no way that you control any distribution of the tokens. But then what you do is you create on, on, on chains like Hive and, and the Speak Network, you create content on those chains because they're, they're zero fees. Um, they're very fast transaction times, three second transaction times. It's very cheap to run and to create content on those chains and then distribute currency, distribute new inflation to that content. So what's going to happen in the future, I believe, is that the content creators will create their own tokens, but they will get zero for themselves. And they will have no control over the distribution of those tokens. But their community members who are dedicated community members who, who already have been in their community for a long time will be able to get access to those tokens. And then what they'll do is they'll use their stake to vote on the content creator's content in a distributed community decision way without a centralized entity behind the token. And over time, the original content creator's content will gain value because it will have these tokens back in them um, from the new inflation distributed to these, these pieces of content that the community votes for themselves. And so over time, you'll get the content creators, because their community follow them, the, the, the original content creator is going to end up with a certain proportion of the supply. But it won't be done in a centralized, security-driven way. It will be done in a distributed, decentralized way where there'll have to be a short period of time where they content creator trusts their own community to keep voting for their content so that they can get a you know a, an influential supply of their own tokens so that they can vote on governance decisions in their own communities later um, and that would then keep them away from these centralized models that, that we're all currently using in blockchain really that's a great description thank you for that just to sort of sum that up it, I guess more of an elevator pitch it would be a decentralized YouTube where you receive crypto instead of fiat? 
Yeah, I mean, that that's, al- that's already what three speak is. Yeah, for, for sure. Um, right. Three speaks already doing that. But the, what I'm talking about then is each content creator themselves having their own tokens and then having a community because these communities are backed on blockchains. Now you can't just Zuckerberg can't just delete them because their account system is on a distributed account layer on these blockchains. You can't just delete the accounts, right? Um, because their followers are listed on these blockchains, you can't just delete the follower accounts. It's the same principle as, as Bitcoin being a transaction method. The Speak Network and Hive are a content delivery method, but using the same principles as blockchain as, as Bitcoin. So they they basically this information is stored on these chains immutably, and as a result, you can you can then run run currencies on these communities as well. So what you're going to have in the near future are content creators migrate. In, um, integrating this technology, it's Web3. They're going to own their own accounts. They're going to own their own communities. They're going to have their own distributed currencies. And their followers are going to be back in all of this. They're going to be stored pits. All the content is going to be stored peer-to-peer. Um, uh, so that there's no centralized entity they're relying on in any, any phase of the content creation process. Um, and as a result, they're, you, they're basically going to be become communities of their own right, kind of almost like independent nations on the internet, right? Where that everything they use is either self-hosted or dis- distributed. Um, they're going to have economies. If they've got 100,000 followers, you talk about the, an economy, sustainable economy, the size of a, of a small town. You know, these things are going to start, they're going to become powerful people, I, I believe. The, these currencies are going to become powerful and influential. They're not debt-backed. They're distributed based on value created um, via the content. So, so, yeah, I mean, it's, it's going to be a very, very interesting future, future, a complete contrast to the current Facebook and Twitter censorship that's going on, left, right and centre, where even if you're a great content creator, you're very successful, you're really a little bitch because you've got to watch your tongue, you've got to be careful what you say, you know, because if anything you say anytime now, and you just delete your one million, one million follower community overnight, and what are you going to do? There's nothing you can do. Whereas this is the opposite. This, this takes away that control from big tech and puts it onto a distributed layer which isn't controlled by any centralized organization so as a result the decisions as to whether the account gets deleted the decisions as to whether the followership gets gets censored or shadow banned is going to be on a distributed decision by the community rather than just on someone like jack dorsey or, or mark zuckerberg who may not just simply who may want to do that just basic based on the a disagreement with your politics you know um, so that's where we're moving, and it's, it's, to me, it's incredibly exciting because it is a polar opposite of what we have currently. What's uh, Dan? I know you're. Curious, I know you want to jump in here. Just give me a quick second. What's the timeline look like for some of these big dog social media men and women who are on current platforms like Facebook, like YouTube, like Twitter? When are they going to jump over and go to Three Speak? I think they're going to start. Be, right now, you're already seeing them being trimmed. Um, the Web2 model is archaic. It doesn't scale. Your cat video from 10 years ago that's not getting any ad views anymore is being stored forever by Google. So that's that's just not scalable. That's why one of the reasons you're seeing this censorship, um, it's just it just makes sense from an ad point of view. What you're going to see is it only takes one, right? Um, the technology is incredibly new. It's novel. People, it's it's you know difficult. You're 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 taking a complete shift from, well, we own you, everything, and your content. And if you if you forget your password, it's fine. We can just pat you on the butt. To hardcore self ownership. Don't lose your keys. And you know we're we're building to a way where it looks and feels like Web two, except it's Web three on the back end. And that just takes time. But you're seeing big content creators make the move. 
they're still, you know, sort of poking around how to fully use this. You see the NFT craze and they're basically tokenizing themselves. Well, now you're going to, you know, the next thing is you're, you're going to start hearing a lot about community tokens. And that's basically communities tokenizing, creating, you know, turning their NFT memes into NFTs, finding self-sovereign ways to become self-sustainable. And it only takes one to look over. And, you know, we have a, an example of LeoFinance.io. That's a, a, a community built on Hive. You know, it's about a 5 million market cap token. They have a small niche following, but that just shows you the power of an organized, tokenized community where every transaction, everything on, on the inside is a positive feedback loop because, um, you know, buy, sell pressure, bringing more people in creates a bigger network effect. And you're going to see these people with millions of followers say, holy crap, I can tokenize myself, have a hundred million market cap token overnight. Um, that's going to become incredibly lucrative. So it's not so much, oh, you know, um, you just have to take bite the bullet on user experience. It's going to be, well, wow, this is way better business models that Web2 just can't offer. Yeah, could I, I'd just like to add to that as well. So, so part, there's another angle to this as well where, as opposed to just the individual content creators and focusing on them, they all of this is open source. So any platforms that we've built, any platforms that the community's built, they're all online and you can basically pay a developer a few hundred dollars basically to copy and paste it, put your logo on it and you've got your own platform. And it, it all ties in automatically to these Web3 tools. Um, so not only are you going to get content creators moving across the platforms like Hive and 3Speak and the Speak Network, but you're going to end up seeing content creators embed this technology into their own websites. And the important thing about that is that once they upload a video on their own website, that then is stored in the distributed community peer-to-peer. -peer, and then the rest of the websites built on that whole network can get access to that content and present it to their own front ends. So it creates the potential for a huge network effect. And then on top of that, when the platforms themselves, so we're looking at like a bit shoot. We're looking at, um, you know, Odyssey, um, um, PeerTube, all these are the alternative tech platforms, right? What we're building currently, and we are giving ourselves none of the token, right? We are not going to drop ourselves any of the token. We want this to be distributed in a fair opportunity mining process. So we're going to build these tools. We're going to build content creator tokens, immutable communities, immutable accounts, NFT systems into these things. This is all being built at the moment. Um, we're looking at a six to eight month um, rollout time. And instead of all of these alternative platforms doing that on their own and then running the blockchain systems behind that, which is a pain in the ass, we've basically done it for them. And they're going to be able to implement this technology into their own platforms. And then without, without having to do hardly any dev work for themselves, you know, um, and they're going to be able to go compete fairly, do, basically do exactly what they're doing at the moment, but use that information to mine the tokens, the governance tokens inside the Speak Network uh, and, and, and compete again like Satoshi did with, with his compatriots in a fair level playing field with the people that created the system. Um, and then hopefully, you know, all the value creators, the content creators, the content creators' sites and the platforms themselves will all have a vested interest in a distributed um, content system that that basically allows them to live on Web3 and give the middle finger to the current Web2 and not have to care in the world anymore about what Zuckerberg thinks about them or whether AWS is going to delete their account or whatever, you know. Um, those days are over and welcome to the new days, you know. And so 
it, for me, it's, it's super, super exciting. And it, it certainly represents a massive light at the end of the tunnel where these walls feel like they're close. I don't know how you feel, but to me, it feels like, Matt, the walls are closing in. If you're a Web2 person and just a person in the world in general at the moment, it feels like the walls are closing in like crazy, you know, with all this crazy stuff going on in the world. And this Web3 technology gives you the opportunity to get out of that system, become self-reliant and rely upon your community only in an immutable, decentralized way. Incredible. Fellas, thank you so much. This is um this has been awesome. Are any other points that you'd like to to bring up? Did we miss anything here? What do what do you what, what do you feel about this stuff, Matt? Do you do you feel like this is I mean, I'm not here to plug, I don't really want to even plug Hive and 3Speak. I just want it to speak for itself. And to me, it may be that we aren't the the final Web3 solution, but we certainly want to want to be in there. You know, we, we want to be one of, we want to do our little bit, right? To me, what who we really need to be talking to is people like you, because I want to, I want to find out, is this is this something where you're looking to go, and is it something you'd be interested in? And not, not again, not necessarily even with three speak. Just the whole principle of owning your own account, owning your own community outside of a centralized platform, and not having to worry about it. Effectively turning turning the Web two platforms into um, traffic funnels, museums, tra- yeah. museums and traffic funnels to your real social media where you actually own the information yourself, you know? That's, it's a great question. It's a very tough one. Now, again, I'm not too prominent on social. I don't have a lot of followers. I don't try to put my thoughts out in the world. I, you know, I don't even have Instagram. I think Insta is beyond fake and it's everyone showing their best life and not their real life. I do quite enjoy Twitter because I believe that Twitter is a phenomenal source to learn new stuff and to just stay on top of things, have that constant news feed. And with Twitter, at least you can actually choose who you're getting info from. So you can follow right-wing people, left-wing people. If you want to go politics, you can, you can choose and curate your news feed how you want. As long as they're not shadow banned. Exactly. Like you guys. So <laughs> to, an- to answer your question, yes, it is something on the radar, but one of the big problems that I'm sure you guys are trying to combat is how do you get the masses there? And it's going to take a couple of huge accounts to go over to then bring their followings and then to start creating. Could could I be looking at this conversation five years down the road when you guys have created the biggest social media platform in the world? And I'm like, holy shit, I, you know, the imagine the reach that I would have right now if I got on when I should have. <laughs> Who knows? That very that very well Something could happen. Like that. As of as of right now, Twitter is working. It's great for a company. It's great for crypto news. All of the other socials are working great as well. But again, there's also that risk where if any of these guys, if Zuck or Dorsey or anyone, God knows who's running TikTok, but if any of them wanted to actually cancel us, you're right. They couldn't heartbeat and it would, wouldn't decimate our business, but it, it would be very tough to get that back up and running. I wish I had a better answer for you, gentlemen. But again, as of right now, I'm just going to stick with the status flow. But uh, again, I have some friends who have a couple hundred thousand followers. And this is something that when I've spoken to them about this, they are very, very concerned um, because again, they're making hundreds of thousands and some of the millions of dollars a year. And it's only because of these platforms. It's like an e-commerce company I used to work for. If it weren't for Facebook, we would have been decimated because if without Facebook ads and Instagram ads, a little fun stat for you. There's not one e-commerce unicorn in the history of e-commerce companies that is scaled to become a unicorn without Facebook or Instagram ads. It's it's a it's a matter of life or death. It's craziness. This is this is why we, we, you know my view. It's not just about the content creators we need to be focusing on. It's it's about can we make this as easy as possible for the alt platforms to build in 
as well. So they have to do, you know, because at the moment they're all thinking about this. Not all of them have worked out what it is yet, but they're definitely all kind of thinking about how to put resources into this and move in that direction. It's like, we, what I want to do is come along and say, look, we've built all this for you. It's done. You have to pay nothing. You have to do nothing different to what you're already doing. You just integrate this technology. You don't even have to run a blockchain. Um, you have an equal opportunity to mine the tokens as, as what we do because we're not going to give ourselves any of the tokens. So it's like, you know, we, we want to turn it into a no-brainer to the point where we have a couple of bigger platforms start using this stuff. And then by default, we have their, their content creators. And in theory, they shouldn't even really know that they're using the technology. It'll just be there kind of ticking away underneath the hood. And they'll, they'll just be presented with several options that... To, to select from that's that that's a future that I could see. That's like the equivalent to AWS. Like yes, almost almost every website that we use in our day to day life, a good chunk of it runs off AWS in the cloud, and you, you'll never know. You never know. And once you capture and once you capture enough platforms, then it becomes awkward not to have a login with um, a, a decentralized Web three protocol that's being shared, distributed. So you you sort of silo yourself, which isn't good because. Some of these alt platforms are growing. You can see, you know, some of them are getting high views, and we're going to see that trend continue. And if they start to com- communicate with each other in a way where Twitter's like, "No, you can't communicate with us," the alt platforms like we're open source, and then before you know it, two, three, four, five band together, and it starts to become because it's all awareness, and it's all attention. And then once the creators can make more money on the alt platforms, that's when the, it'll be a, a great migration because then the centralized entities can't undercut Web3 because Web3, there's no CEO to pay. And if there's no CEO to pay, that's like the, the, the bottom line. And Web2 just has to throw up their hand and say, well, I'm not going to work for free. The, right. the, the problem, I, I, guess we, I guess maybe we want to record this section about um, the difference between Web2 and Web3. Um, but the point I'm tro- I'd like to make is, is, is just that if Web2 start to do this themselves, right, they're, they're going to get the SEC going after them because they're going to be creating centralized tokens. First of all, they can't think in a decentralized way. And secondly, when, when they create tokens from their platforms, it's a centralized entity creating a token. This, this is security by definition. And they're going to really struggle to get away with not being classed as securities on all these, you know, because of course they're going to try to create content creator tokens for their content creators. But how on earth they're going to be able to achieve doing it without? They can't. Because the reason that we're not worried about it is because we aren't the Speak network that backs Three Speak that Three Speak is built upon, isn't a centralized entity, right? Three Speak isn't going to release any tokens, but the Speak network will be the network that's run on multiple distributed nodes all over the world that creates these tokens. And how's the SEC? How can you be a community that creates a token and be classed as a security? It's impossible. Um, yeah, there's no dice. Matt, can we take a couple steps back? Can, yeah, can, yeah, do sure. you mind for explaining sure. the difference between Web two and Web three? Yeah. Um, so, it, it, for me, I mean, it's, it probably means many different things to many different people. But, but for me, Web two is where you are reliant upon a centralized entity, uh, and these centralized entities have done great jobs of building amazing platforms that are, that are currently, obviously, mass adopted around the world and, and are incredibly, incredibly powerful, and, and have been shown to abuse their power at certain times as well, which, which it's just uncomfortable. You know, it's just unacceptable. So, as a result, you're going to get this Web three move where, on Web three, you own your own account outright, you own your community outright, you have tokens attached to those communities. The whole thing's run on a on a Web three protocol that is distributed and not backed by any centralized entity. So as a result, that, that protocol can't be sued. Like you can't sue the internet, right? The, the, the internet web is a protocol. 
and there is no company that backs it, but you have all these platforms built on top of the web. Well, Web3 is a very similar similar thing, except that the users themselves are able to take self-sovereignty and own their own data and their own information, their own communities. Um, and then release tokens in, on these distributed decentralized layers that can't be, the SEC is going to struggle because there's no centralized entity that they can approach, you know, if it's on a distributed protocol. And these protocols are very well distributed. You, you can see from Bitcoin and various other chains that these things are decentralized and distributed. There is There are no companies backing these things. They are effectively unstoppable. Um, so that's where Web3 is going, you know, and that, that, that to me is incredibly exciting. Well, and you can think of, from a user standpoint, you have Web2 which is I'm going to add a bunch of accounts to my my port, my profile. You know, I have all these different accounts on Twitter, um, TikTok, all this. You think of Web3 is I'm going to add a, a bunch of different sites to my account. You know, it's one account. You own it. The sites become skins um, to a gamer. They know that as skins to a to you know a normal person. They probably know it as a front end. Basically, the sites run skin deep. They don't own your account. They don't own your content. And what this does, it gives the the people who own the account incredible leverage over the sites. So it's just a complete flip on, um, you know, on the on the ownership. So you're just going to see a much better user experience when you can have a hundred different sites logged in from the same account, same follower list, same communities. You can choose what you do, and you know, I have a saying, you know, um, protocols CEOs dissolve into protocols, gatekeepers dissolve into communities. And that's that's what's going to happen. Um, instead of one entity running everything, it's going to be very community driven. And those communities are going to have to abide by the law of the land. If they're breaking the law, they're going to have to be held responsible. Um, but it's going to be the community that size, not not one entity. So, very well said, um, fellas. This has been incredible. Thank you so much for jumping on. I learned a crazy amount, and uh, this story is truly banana lands. And um, I'm very grateful for you guys telling me the truth of what happened. When the movie comes out, I will be uh, I will be front row with a big bag of buttery popcorn, um, and I will be telling whoever I'm with, whether it's my girlfriend, family, or friends, that I got to speak to these two gentlemen uh, while I see you guys on the big screen. I'm looking very forward to that. Hopefully, they can throw in a part about when you came on the Crypto News Pod. Maybe I can get in there too. Um, but regardless, this was amazing. Thank you so much. Before you guys go, and Matt, I know you said you didn't want to plug, but it's part of the pod. You come on, tell great stories, and give insights to our guests. And in return, they get to see where you are at. So the floor is yours. Please tell us where they can find you online and uh, and everywhere else on the web. Yeah, I mean, um, first and foremost, I'd, I'd recommend going and taking a look at Hive.io, which is the blog for the ecosystem of, of the Hive ecosystem with all the different apps running on it, with this kind of layer one account system that you can own your own account. Web3, it's, it's, it's amazing, in our opinion. It's certainly the, the, the system that we use to run a lot of our tech on as well, uh, 3Speak. And then I, I guess on, on the other side, we have um, 3speak.tv, which is our main website uh, that runs videos upon the Hive blockchain and the Speak Network. And then we've got Speak Network, spk.network um, is our protocol that we're going to run our video platforms on. And any of you guys can also run your own platforms and your own systems on that as well. Um, in, in the very near future, probably two to three months from now, we're going to have a claim drop. So anyone who holds Hive, um, we'll be able to receive um, an equivalent amount of tokens, of minor tokens, um, for the Speak Network. Um, so the Speak token will start at zero balance for everyone. 
but the minor tokens that you require to mine the speak token will be dropped to Hive holders. Um, because Hive is such a decentralized um, blockchain, it's been distributed for five years now. Um, we, we feel it's a really great place to give a, a good opportunity to many, many people all over the world to, to get a chance to be part of this system and, and, and own part of the governance. So please, please, please get involved in that if you, if, if you were interested in freedom and, and Web3 and holding these Web2 accounts to account. Yep, and um, Dan Hensley, you can, a lot of people know me as They Call Me Dan. You can just find me on, you know, 3speak.tv slash at They Call Me Dan or hive.blog slash at They Call Me Dan. It's more of my personal blog. Um, yeah, I tend to just stick to Web3-based platforms. So. Awesome. Thanks a lot, guys. Really appreciate it. Hope you had a blast. I certainly did. And uh, there's not a doubt in my mind we'll have you guys on for round two in the future because uh, I know there's a lot more to touch on. We we barely scratched the surface. But gentlemen, thank you so much. Dan, Matt, it was an absolute pleasure. Hope you guys had a blast and we will definitely have you on shortly. Thank you. Cheers. Folks, this was the Crypto News podcast with Dan Hensley and Matt Starkey. Great name, by the way, Matt from 3Speak. Really appreciated having them on. What a crazy story with Justin and the Tron and everything that went down. My goodness, the steam will live on forever. I had an absolute blast with this one. Huge shout out to Eustace and our whole team. As always, we appreciate you guys. We love you. I believe Dan or Matt have one last thing to say. Yeah, sorry, man. I just want to say, maybe we can do part two when we get the next moves on whether or not Dan and the other steam whales are going to get the steam back that Justinson stole from them illegally. So that's good. That's, that's currently in the courts. That's all going on. So maybe, maybe the next time we get an update from that, we can speak to you again. Hey, you guys have my number. You guys have my email. Hit me up whenever. And I would love to have you on for round two. But folks, Crypt News Podcast, thanks again for listening. If you enjoyed this one, and I hope you did, please subscribe. It would mean the world to us. We are on Apple. We're on Spotify and every other place where you can find a podcast. Thanks again for listening. Love you all. Appreciate you all. Have a wonderful rest of the day, wonderful rest of the week, and we will see you shortly. Bye for now.